The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 113th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers, and I am the host of this lovely podcast, this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good buddy and friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. How you doing, my good man? <laughs> I got my Chase Rio yesterday. I was very excited about that, so... But so that means I'm doing well. I just watched a WWE Smackdown with fans. It was a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. I tip my hat to them and the people in Houston. They were fired up for about 90 minutes and it seems like they got tired. And I, I, I don't hate on them for that because I have been at shows and everyone's like, y'all weren't crowd loud for the this. I'm like, dude, we were three and a half hours until a four hour show. Sorry, I, I I am not the athlete. The people in the rings are the athlete. I'm exhausted and I'm done. So, I, hey, they hung in really good. It's a good show. It's got a got a return. You know, not gonna spoil it for anybody that might uh, uh might be watching SmackDown on DVR. But I'm in a great great mood. Yeah, and I hope they don't mess up that return. Uh, for that superstar and uh, do nothing with them. I hope that he actually gets used properly. But regardless, we are not just us two for this episode of All Things Elite. We have a third with us this week. We have our friend and resident AEW expert, Jesus J.R. Perez. You can catch him on his horror podcast called The Trick or Treater Podcast. Jr., how you doing, man? I'm gonna get so much heat for people calling me AEW expert. It's it's hilarious. Hey man, you know what? You watch AEW every week. You're an expert. So, uh, yeah, I'm having. It's amazing. I had uh, today got a chance to go see Black Widow. It's my second movie I've seen in the movie theaters in the last three weeks, and it's the first time I've been to a movie since Star Wars back in 2019. So. So Greg got I was with Floyd not with Floyd but watching SmackDown. Um it was fun to see fans and stands. And I am really turning out there uh, their trick or treaters podcast. We're work uh, focusing next month on our Netflix special where we're gonna cover Netflix shows on the Trick or Treaters podcast. 
and I'm finishing up the Fear Street anthology that dropped today on Netflix. So it's a great, great Friday. Yeah, I I still need to watch uh, the Fear Street series. I have it on my list. There's a few movies I still need to watch there. And ironically, actually, uh, I love how you mentioned how you've been to theaters twice since the last two weeks because it's been great getting back to movie theaters. Ironically, my first movie I'm going to see in theaters is uh, Bo Burnham's Inside because he's doing a one-night-only special for certain theaters where you can go see the Netflix special in theaters. And I was like, you know what? I think it'd be ironic if the first movie I see back in theaters is that because it's a fucking trip and a half. That's for sure. So the first movie you see in theaters is a movie you've already seen. Called Inside. Yes. And it's a movie I've already seen. Yes. Yes. That's like the movie you've already seen is what's catching me. I I just want to throw out for everybody listening. Go see Space Jam 2. I'd rather you go see it in the theaters, but you can also catch it on HBO Max if it's free. It is starring my king, LeBron James. And yeah, it should be great. He's starring my king Pennywise in the crowd. He's there. Pennywise is in the crowd. Yup, and the guys from A Clockwork Orange, which is kind of weird. I heard Harry Potter characters are in there. Oh yeah, there's a lot of Harry Potter references. Yes, Game of Thrones. So I, you know, so I'm always down for that Hufflepuff for life. Uh, but uh, yeah. Oh, there's a line you're gonna love in the movie then. Yes. Uh, so I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that movie I'm watching tomorrow, uh, recording on Friday, because it is my anniversary weekend, celebrating two years with my wife, who somehow, somehow is letting me go to money, going with me to Money in the Bank for our anniversary. Hey, you you know, take that. You take that. If that's people say, people say soulmates don't exist. I I I can't I can't uh, I can't agree with that statement. I'm like, cause I said, you know what? Cause I was buying money tickets to Money in the Bank, and this is the weird weird thing. And then we can go into the show. I was like, there is something on July 18th. There's a reason that I can't go to this show, and I for the life of me couldn't think of it. So tickets would go on sale, and like it went on sale at like 9 a.m. About 8:15 a.m. I realized. Oh fuck! That's my anniversary. <laughs> it took me that long, and I called. I was like, message my wife, and I was like, "Well, money in the banks on our anniversary." And she said, "Hey, let's go." Before I could even ask, she's like, "Hey, let's go," and I was like, "Dude, every time, every time, anytime I think like I have to take something stressful to her or something like that, she literally answers, but like before I even get it all out, and it's like." I, one day I'm going to learn not to stress out about these things. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, with that little uh, intro, though, I think we can get into the show. We've got a lot to talk about with night one of Fighter Fest taking place uh, this week. And then next week, of course, we've got night two of Fighter Fest. We'll have a little preview of that. Um, and a lot to talk about just what happened on night one of Fighter Fest. But before we get into the show, I want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on any other platforms like Spotify or whatnot, you can just give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. That truly means the world to us. If uh, 
you enjoy the show, you can leave a rating about it. Even if you don't, you can leave a rating and a review. Let us know what we can do better. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. That would be incredibly generous of you. The easiest way to support us is on social media. On Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod at Social Suplex. Those guys are our podcasting network friends that make this show possible. Be sure to check out all their other shows that they have on their network. I myself am at SZoomer4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And JR, where can people find you and the Trick or Treaters podcast on social media? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Lucha Professor. That is at Lucha Professor. And the Trick or Treaters podcast is at Trick or Treat Pod. That's at Trick or Treat Pod. Our podcast drops every Friday on wherever you listen to your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. So um, this week we just dropped today as we're recording uh, our review of the movie Jaws, which just throw it out there on a quick tangent. Jaws is the movie that created the summer blockbuster back in 1975. Jaws started it all. It was a great film. If you haven't seen it, never seen it, it's been a long time. Highly suggest watching it. And then uh, check out our podcast, if you please. All right. Well, when we get into our big news of the week, it's that AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, which takes place in Queens, New York, and is going to be on Wednesday, September 22nd at the Archer at Stadium. Uh, Those tickets just went on sale. And uh, Floyd, what exactly has been reported with the, the sales coming in for that show? Oh, so the report has been that um, that to during the presale yesterday, Thursday, July fifteenth, or I think the presale was Wednesday. They sold like nine thousand tickets, and then today they sold like another five thousand tickets. So that being done, they are at. Um, they sold over 14,000 tickets. I've seen reports of 15, but the only official reports is 14,000 plus. Uh, this is from WrestleTix and uh, Wrestle uh, at uh, WrestleNomics from Voices of Wrestling. I want to make sure I give uh, where I get my numbers. And just like any numbers we say today, at WrestleNomics, uh, they're on Voices of Wrestling. You can follow them. And at WrestleTix, that's where I pretty much get all my information from. So just to look, I, I just wanted to get their credit out where it's due. But 14000 plus, uh, there is a SmackDown in Madison Square Garden uh, that's going and went on sale before this. And they are a little under or maybe over 9,000 tickets. So basically... The, the story, the, the thing people are saying is that AEW outsold um, WWE in their territory, which New York. But I do want to point out, not building any excuses, uh, Madison Square Garden has uh, COVID restrictions where you have to be uh, you have to be vaccinated to get in. Not the same. At, uh, apparently, Arthur Ashe Stadium does not have the same restrictions. It is what it is. I'm not really comparing. I just want to give the whole, the round of the all of the uh, different angles of the story. But fourteen thousand plus tickets sold for an AEW event. I think it's going to be the most. Uh, I think it'll be the most uh, attendance uh, if it sells out. The biggest attendance of an AEW event in history. So that's good news. 
That is very good news. JR, um, how do you feel getting these reports with uh, AW Dynamite Grand Slam? Like, just um, like what, what do you think uh, fans could probably expect just to kind of keep in their like, or what do you think you want out of a Dynamite that's called Grand Slam? Like, what exactly do you think this show is going to provide? Well, for for me, with how successful this show is, and I'm trying to quickly in my mind think of the numbers of all the the significant events from all the pay per views that AWS had with obviously with fans in attendance. Um, you know, going back to the original All In, um, you know, even less precursor All Out, but Double or Nothing, All Out 2019, Rev, uh, Revolution, Full Gear, and then even uh, with this upcoming All Out. I is this is probably the biggest event they'll ever they have had to date with over fourteen thousand tickets sold and probably by the time we get to the actual dynamite of Grand Slam, closer to potentially sixteen, seventeen thousand tickets sold, which I think that's what it's accommodating is seventeen thousand tickets. And being the first show in the New York area and how and how many fans are gonna be attendance, I expect a show that is on the same level of All Out. And the reason being is that you this is your shot to go into a new territory that has been dominated by World Wrestling Federation slash entertainment. And then the pre- before that, Worldwide Wrestling Federation since the 70s. And if you want to... this, I mean, not even WCW couldn't break into that territory. They had no success in the New York area. A very very small like little ticket movement going back to uh, the Crockett the Crockett days and uh, before it was sold to Ted Turner. So if you come in and you make a you hit a, legitimately no pun intended but you hit a grand slam, you just created a new fan base for you that will continue coming back. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to expect. Um, it's a it's a little bit a ways away, and of course it's. It's right after uh, AEW uh, All Out, so we'll have to see exactly what the show provides. But it's good news, at least, that they are doing good numbers in New York because it's not the easiest to do well when it comes to wrestling. Um, It's just with the territory that's been so accustomed to just WWE. But, hey, I mean, New Japan and Ring of Honor did really well with the MSG show that they had, so I think AEW will do as well uh, with this one. But with that little preview of, I guess, what you can expect or what we're, what we would predict would be at AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, let's get into Fighter Fest Night One, and there was a ton of moments on this show. We'll start real quickly off with the opening match. Right out the gate, we got the IWGP U.S. title match between the champion John Moxley versus Machine Gun Carl Anderson. Of course, this show was held in Cedar Park, Texas, the first show outside of Florida in ages since COVID. And this crowd hot out the gate with Moxley coming out to Wild Thing, and the crowd was just on fire. And they they were on fire for a good majority of the show, I feel like. And this opening match was really, really good. Of course, with the Elite uh, being a part of it, there was always the idea of possibly members trying to get involved with this match to try to help out Carl Anderson. 
Um, I believe Eddie Kingston even made sure that it was just Carl Anderson and John Moxley by just going after Doc Gallows with a lead pipe and then just brawling up into the stands. So off top, they were just fighting out in the crowd and everything was going crazy. This match was a really strong opening match. It was a match with a very important title being defended right off top. It was really good to see Carl uh, Anderson in singles competition because, of course, we know that he's very he's a very, very good wrestler and his work in uh, New Japan has always stood for itself. And every time I see the IWGP US title defended on AEW, I get happy because that title, to me, is so much fun to watch. And it's considering how new the title is it's like to see new japan have so much care in that title to be able to let uh aw defend it on their show since john moxie holds it instead of just uh only allowing it for their shows i think is an important thing as well but john moxley was able to get uh the win on carl anderson and it was a strong defense and i think it was a good opening match i don't think there was anybody who truly thought carl would get the win which i can understand uh being being an issue but for me it wasn't really too much of a problem john and carl did really really good in this match the crowd was electric from the start and i think it kicked off the show just as it needed to so floyd uh before we get to you i'm gonna let jr start off uh with his thoughts on this match so jr tell us what you thought of this opening iwgp us match uh the first thing is mox moxie's entrance coming out the wall thing <sighs> is amazing for that crowd i and it just gets everybody excited and i for me one of my favorite films is the movie major league and i always see think of that uh that scene with charlie Cena as rig vaughn coming out of the bullpen so seeing moxley and kingston coming out of the crowd i just thought was amazing and my quick thoughts on the match will be it was a very good um new japan type match very hard hitting Carl Anderson, I think because people for the last five, six years off the top of my head are so used to seeing him in tag team form that unless you go back and watch his his specific New Japan days, um, especially before he started teaming with Doc Gallows, he's a very good singles wrestler. And he's somebody that you would want to see in singles matches if you have the opportunity. I enjoyed the match, and I'm not going to lie, I... With Moxley being the IWGP United States champion, part of me is like he's always he's gonna win for a long time. But then there's there's just a small part of me and be like, maybe he'll lose. Like maybe he'll lose to Carl Anderson and and I mean as we're recording, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows are on the New Japan Unleashed show. I was like, maybe he'll maybe Moxley would lose to Anderson. He'll go defend the belt on New Japan Unleashed and then drop the um I know in in August, New Japan's doing a show in L.A. Like maybe he would have lost, and then Carl Anderson had to defend the belt in L.A., and then somebody else wins it, and they take it back to Japan. All right, Floyd? It was, I was going to, I basically, J.R. stole my point. It was a GA, it was a New Japan match. It was like, even the forearm exchanged right in the middle of the ring, just screamed uh, New Japan. It was so physical. So hard hitting. 
very much like almost like 50 50 60 40 whatever match you know uh carl anderson got a lot in you got to see a lot of his repertoire he's a very good wrestler he yeah he was like one of the first people that um like when i first heard of the bullet club like first heard of bullet club and i saw a couple matches like you know people like hey watch this match and he was one of the first people i was like man this dude can go and, you know, then they signed at the other place and it wasn't, you know, they never really, I mean, especially Carl Anderson never really got to show what he can do. So it's good to see him back. AEW, New Japan Strong, New Japan Wrestling. You're going to get to see that this dude is a worker. He's really good uh, physically in the ring. Uh, great first match. I couldn't think of a better match to kick off Fighter Fest because... Moxley got the crowd in it with his entrance and, you know, and, and then Carl Anderson, they kept the crowd in it with their work. Uh, very good match. Mox gets the win. And I love that. And I, I don't know if anyone else notices it. His paradigm shift, the way he did it was more like a double arm suplex than a, you know, DDT. It like, was. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, I just, I think it's kind of cool. They sell it like a DDT still, but I just like I just like how it protects the other wrestler. I think that's pretty cool. All right, we then uh, had a backstage promo with the Murderhawk Monster Lance Archer uh, talking to John Moxley uh, immediately after the match, where he called out Moxley, basically calling back to how he lost the IWGP US title to him, and um, he wants to get it back. And his simple thing was, you know what? We're going to have a Texas death match. And if I'm not mistaken, because my friend Justin from Cultaholic corrected me on this, it's not another death match with explosions and all that. It's just a no DQ match. It's a, it's like a, that is correct. A Texas, Texas death match is just a no DQ match. Really? Isn't it like false count anywhere? Perhaps maybe. Yes. I think he said that as well. Yeah. They so kind of make not... their own rules. Cause I've seen like sure, three or yeah. four different Texas death matches. There's one uh, Texas death match where you got to pin them, like get to three and then they got to stay down for another 10 seconds. They didn't say this one. So I'm just thinking this is just going to be basically a street fight, but you know, giving it a, a Texas themed street fight. Yes. So if you're if you're in the mindset of like, oh God, they're gonna have more sparklers in the ring, it's not gonna be that kind of death match. So hey. I think if you're concerned about that, say, then don't worry. I'm just gonna say based on the, just quick doing a quick Google search, uh, John Moxley and Lance Archer when they had their first Texas death match in New Japan, it was the way that Floyd explained it. You have to pin your opponent for a three count and then the referee will initiate a 10 count. And if your opponent does not get up after that 10 count, then you win the match. Yeah. All right. So apparently uh, I'm on this like pro wrestling site. There's been like six actual Texas death matches and John Moxley and Lance Archer was the last one. All right. So we know that they're familiar with it. And if they're going to go by the same exact way that they did it last time, then that's what we could possibly expect for next for the uh, their next match, uh, which will be next week for uh, Fighter Fest Night Two. And who will be there? Somebody you know, you know, your Somebody boy Floyd. Floyd will be there. Floyd. Yeah, it yes. will be this man. Dallas, baby. We then had another backstage interview. This time with Alex Abrahentes interviewing Andrade El Idolo. 
where he was simply asking, where is Death Triangle? Because El Idolo is looking for them. And right there, all right, if this is the first thing Andrade's going to do uh, feud-wise, I am all for it. Whether it's like him getting involved, like actually trying to take over Death Triangle, uh, or if he's just going to try to take out Death Triangle one by one by one, regardless, I think this is a, a very strong feud for him to get into off top of him. Uh, after like he had that one match with um, Matt Seidel, I think this is a good feud for him to start off with, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to jump in. I'm just super excited about this. They wrestle, uh, they wrestle a style that El Idolo will be familiar with. So I think I don't think a lot of people are very impressed with his first match in AEW. Sure, this is going to give him a time to shine with people that he's more familiar with, and Pot can have a great match with a broomstick. So I think he'll be all right there. All right. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about this uh, this little uh, tease, Jr? Just Andrade's money, and he just looks like a star. And I potentially think, for me, there's so many different directions. But I would, if it was me being to have the pencil, I would have Andrade versus Death Triangle, uh, with being Andrade versus Pac at All Out, and then having Penta. And Phoenix Turn on turning Pac. on on Puck and joining Andrade and doing a new faction. And I know we got 35 million factions in AEW, but that is a faction that I think would have a lot of steam behind it. Yeah, and it's not like Death Triangle has been like consistently like used or anything like that, or like is like strong like 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 deeply rooted in any feuds or anything like that. So I think it would be fine if they like necessarily like maybe broke it up or like under new management or whatever, regardless, I think that would be a decent uh, idea, but either way, whatever they decide to do with, unfortunately for death triangle, they've been snake bitten by injuries, injuries. Yeah. It's it's been a big thing. It seems like if one uh, COVID uh, not being able to come over like the week after they formed, (laughs) He got stuck in the UK and then like, oh, they're back together and then Ray Phoenix gets hurt. So it's just like they've been really snake bitten as a faction. If they called it quits, it would suck. But I completely could understand it because sure. Uh, you know, you know, I El Idolo, Penta, and Ray probably makes more sense. Yeah. But after this was the FTW Championship match between the Machine, Brian Cage, and Absolute Ricky Starks, both of Team Taz. This was kind of a weird one, I think. And there were there were two things mainly that I think um, played into this match being kind of weird. First off was that in the opening moments of the match, uh, there were a couple uh, m- uh, messy botches that took place, which kind of sucked. Of course, like it's... Not great for that to happen, and they were very noticeable. So, like, thankfully, as the match went along and got closer to the finish, not only did the fans get back into it a lot more, but also they started to really put things together a lot better. But regardless, those opening botches didn't set the tone too well for the match. Second off, the crowd was completely flipped from what I think AEW was expecting. They were all going uh, for absolute Ricky Starks. They were completely behind Ricky. 
and they weren't really behind Brian. And since Brian was the one who got screwed over and got turned on in this match, kind of a weird uh, vibe that was coming off of the crowd. Uh, they were hype when Brian uh, lost the title. Um, and I think even with the opening botches, this match was still really good. Well, not well, not really good, but more like good with these two guys. I think my thing is like Ricky's got a lot of promise, and I want to see where he goes. Um, and Brian, I think with this feud, it's going to give him something to do. Um, I'm not sure exactly um, what else he does after Team Taz because he's I kind of I don't really have a, a mindset of like. At least in my mind, I don't have an instant idea of like what I would want to do with Brian after this feud. But yeah, this one was just kind of weird. It was a weird kind of second match of the show. I didn't think it was bad, but it wasn't necessarily great. But though the idea of Ricky Starks now being the FTW champion and Brian Cage basically being kicked out of Team Taz, though, I do think is a cool story idea. But it it could have been done a lot better, I think, though. That's that's just me. But we'll go to JR first on this match. Your thoughts? I mean, this this has been teased since, I want to say at least, this has been teased since, actually since Revolution, after the Sting and Sting Darby versus Team Taz match, that potentially Brian Cage was going to flip, and that's exactly what happened. And I... I figured there's going to be some sort of chicanery involving Will, Fob- Will Hobbs, and that's what occurred when he hit him with the FTW title. And I agree with your sentiment. I think, I hate saying this, but Ricky Starks is somebody that I've watched even before AEW. I watched him in NWA, and he is naturally charismatic. He has great personality. He is somebody that I would say him is like a an AEW guy, or Brian Cage to me is like a stereo typical prototype WWE guy. And I just don't think he really fits in to the AEW fan base. Um, he just looks like a WWE guy. And I think the AEW fan base is more likely to get behind a talent like Ricky Starks. Or an up, even like with Will Hobbs, who's an up-and-comer, um, I think they would get behind him more than Brian Cage. And I think what's going to happen from here is I don't think Ricky Starks is going to feud with Brian Cage. I actually think Brian Cage is probably going to feud with Will Hobbs, which is what I, what I thought was going to be last year, except on the opposite with Will Hobbs being a babyface and Brian Cage being a heel. If face Brian Cage means that I'm getting uh, face Brian, um, that I'm getting Brian Cage versus Kenny Omega world title match, then I am all for it. Uh, Brian Cage is like literally he's one of those people that I have ne- I'm never bored by his matches. He he you know, Mr. Get his shit in. I love all the shit that he does. It's amazing. Uh in this match, unfortunately, it's one of those things where you're in Texas and that's great. But Texas is basically Ricky Starks's Ricky Starks home where he's wrestled. He's wrestled a lot in Austin and all that area. And he's over in Texas. So it was like he was playing. He was hit the hill. Uh, he's playing the hill. Uh, but, you know, fans were cheering him. 
And, you know, when Cage gets hit in the face with Hobbs, literally they cheered. And then Ricky Starks hits the spear. They cheered. They cheered <laughs> Cage losing the baby face. So, I, I you know, Ricky, it was just a bad place for him to be a heel. As far as Brian Cage, I think he's fine. I think all AEW fans generally like him. He's been playing the heel. He's been playing the muscle guy for a long time. And it's just like now when he turns face, you'll get to see more dynamic of who he is as a wrestler. I think they might even seems like because he keeps getting mentioned in promos. It seems like his wife might be showing up at some point. I think you're going to see a more dynamic Brian Cage. Maybe he starts, you know, kicking it with another uh, faction or whatever. But I think you'll see more. Um, as far as Ricky Starks, I mean, I mean, if you listen to the show, that, that match, the ending of that match was absolutely not a shock to you because I told you exactly what was going to happen last week. Tim Team Taz was going to turn on Brian Cage. So that happened. So I like to see what's going forward. It's one against three. I'd like to see Team Taz replace Brian Cage. I don't know with who, but I like to. Team Taz being the three guys hook is kind of their young boy, so he doesn't wrestle. So I, I you know, I think they need that third, that uh, third actual wrestler. Uh, and then, yeah, Brian Cage. We'll see who he ends up with. So I, I like this whole uh, segment. All right. Well, moving into right after this match, we had a very, very passionate, very angry Cody Rhodes. Bolt down to the broadcast table, take a headset, call out Malachi Black, and tells him it's Fighter Fest. I want to fight. Calls him out. Malachi Black appears on the screen and talks about why he did what he did to Arn, why he did what he did to Cody. Basically saying, like, look, man, when I saw your guys' eyes, I saw that you guys you guys weren't there anymore. Like it's like the fire, the passion, the the want wasn't there. So he put them to pasture pretty much. Tried to old yeller him. Cody got mad, being like, Well, you didn't look hard enough. You'd better come down and take a closer look right now. Malachi Black goes, I was hoping you'd say that. Light goes out, comes back out. Malachi Black is in the ring, and Cody was very, very specific, making sure he was wearing an all-white suit. Because Malachi Black shows up in an all-black suit. They start going at it. Referees and and officials come out, and they come and split them up. And then they quickly uh, went to commercial right as they were like going after each other. And yeah, this we've we finally got a fired up Cody after a little bit because uh, with the feud with the factory, we didn't really necessarily get a ton of that because it was kind of one sided. Regardless, uh, I think this is we're getting a Cody feud that I think all of us can agree will be way more interesting. And I think it will be a lot more fun to watch this feud. And also, while the name I'm still I me personally, I would have preferred if he stuck with Tommy End. Malachi Black, though, I'm fucking so hyped to see this man uh, go up against Cody. And if it's at all out, which I pray to God it is. Let's go. So, JR, first up on this one, we'll go to you. I mean, from 
Going back to last week, the Road Rager, as soon as I saw Malachi Black lay out Double A and Cody, I was like, this, with the way that that crowd exploded, and then going into this week, the way that crowd exploded when they went face-to-face, this is easily the second biggest match that AEW would make that's besides the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match for All Out. And I legitimately think it would be a waste to put this on television because, yes, it will pop a rating. But I think this match to get to All Out is going to get you is going to increase pay-per-view buys, which in the long in, in the grand scheme of things is increasing more revenue. So I'm all for this. I think the more we keep building this up over the next, if I'm doing my math correctly in my head, I believe we have seven more dynamites before we get to all out. I think there's seven left. I mean, it's just going to get better and better, um, especially between the promos because they both can cut promos and people are going to be so anxious to see this. I, this is, yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, as much as I love where I think, you know, we'll get to where they're going with the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match, but like in a lot of ways, this to me is like the main event. It's like neck and neck with the AEW World Heavyweight Championship match with how good it's going to be. Well, Big Feud Cody is back. (laughs) And I'm sorry if I blew out your speakers or hurt your ears right then. But, oh, my God, I've been waiting on this. I don't criticize AEW a lot, but I feel like I do criticize them when it calls. Cody's booking this year, not been my favorite. Just hasn't. I think, he, you know, he's the star. He's probably the, actually, if you think about it, probably the number one face in the company right now. Mihir Darby, they're, they're one and one A, one and two, whatever, uh, are the top faces in the company. And it just seems like he didn't have a hot feud. Nobody was coming for him. He got this little, I mean, you know, if you think of the video games, the QT feud was like a side mission. It wasn't like, oh, this wasn't like, <laughs> this wasn't like the main game. You're just going to go over there in the side mission, you know, make a little money on the side. And you can come back to the main game. Malachi Black is the next, next big boss in the game, you know. He is the next level. That's what he represents. Cody is doing what Cody does. He's making people famous again. Did you hear that pop from Malachi Black? Oh, yeah. You combine all the pops he got in the last... Three years in the WWE. It didn't equal that pop he got in Austin, Texas. You know, he shows up. Black versus white. You know, light versus dark. Good versus evil. Oh, my God. And then Malachi Black. Oh, with the the perfection. He uses the promo Cody used against Dustin in his first AEW match against Cody. Cody called Dustin an old horse that he had to put down. What did Malachi Black call uh, Cody? Whoa, same thing. Oh, oh, that, that, that hurts. Since your heart's not into it anymore. You're not, you, you're not bringing it like you would. And if you look at the last six months, can you disagree? Can you disagree with Malachi? I love the feud. That's the thing about Cody and my Codiness and my fandom. I just like it when my favorite wrestler is featured. That's what I like. So this feud 
is my favorite wrestler on a whole nother level. It's going to do what he needs to do to, to reinvent Malachi Black, to, to reintroduce him to the company, to basically give him the ball and see if he can run with it. Oh, my God. Because I've always said Cody, as far as his position in the company, is like The Undertaker. But good Lord, what Malachi Black could do with the good booking that is AEW, I am looking forward to it in the future. And, you know, the first stop's Cody. I don't know if this is going to be a big dynamite match or if it's going to be uh, or if it's going to be an all out, which is what I would prefer. But I'm really looking forward to it. Side note about Cody, they did announce that the uh, the Go Big Show got renewed this week year. So he's going to have to go away to record that in either August or September. Big thing is there's no COVID restrictions, so he could technically record, go do the show, and then go back. So I don't know how that's going to affect the feud. But I am really looking forward to this feud. I haven't been this excited in a while. Yeah, and I'm 100% with you. I need, I would prefer that match to be at all out because quite honestly i don't know what cody would do at all out like that would be as strong as this feud with malachi black but that's just me he was not even on the show last week so last year so that kind of hurt me i got my ftr but i didn't get my cody you didn't get your cody so if we want a, a strong cody match this should be it. This should be it. Seven weeks, and everybody's like, seven weeks is a long time for a build. I'm like, not, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, Malachi Black needs... Can you needs, even put a comparison? Malachi Black needs to kick some people in the face, though. You know, yeah. he needs to win some matches. Well, yes, sir? What were you going to say? That's the point of... Um, this a point, like, a reference. When people think seven weeks is a long week, if you think about it, let's go back to Full Gear 2019 which was around Veterans Day 2019, to leap year, February of February 29, 2020. That's how long the buildup was for Cody versus MJF. And by the time we got to that, everybody was like foaming at the mouth to see Cody get to MJF. So, I mean, seven weeks is really not that long, especially if you look at, the and I've said this before, like the way AW does certain things is kind of like in a rotation to get people through. So if they ended up going, let's say we get to uh, nothing happens on Fighter Fest except for promo, the Fighter Fest week two, and then you get to fight for the fallen, and then something happens where they could say, you know, Cody, you got to go off two weeks for TV. Like, and they're just doing pro, like the whole thing is they can get to each other, but not actually like get into more physicality because once eventually they get into that ring at, at, all out i mean as soon as they throw the first punch everybody's gonna lose it yeah it's it would be huge i mean brock's gotta take the kick to the face first right it has to be brock anderson first right oh yeah i completely see that as that could be exactly um malachi black's first match if you think if you think about it with brock anderson and you know being a part like you know him and the Anderson family around the north carolina area could you imagine that fight for the fallen? That's that's Malachi Black's first matches against Brock Anderson. Yeah, that's that that'll be killer. Yeah, but I'm I think that would be pretty killer as well. We then had a really quick uh, backstage promo where Alex Marvez was going to interview Tully, 
And then Santana and Ortiz show up with a crowbar, and they're going to try to uh, beat up Tully, but it was a fake crowbar, so they just kind of, like, spooked him. Uh, basically just being like, uh, you better watch out for your boys, because uh, they're still not done with them. Uh, which was just a quick little moment. Um, I don't really have anything else really to say about that unless anybody else does. No? Yep, we can just move on from there because this next segment was pretty big because it was with the number one ranked Hangman Adam Page who got a fucking mega pop from the crowd. That he is... My God. Like, it's so crazy just to see, like, the change from like the start of AEW where fans liked him but like when they were all like the workhorse of AEW they weren't necessarily sure if he could be that guy and then to now he is just white hot and hangman talked about how from day 1 of the company he wanted to be AEW world champion and he came so close but he failed and Dark Order's right, he still wants and needs to be champion, so he was going to go challenge Kenny for the title, immediately gets interrupted by Don Callis, floods of booze come at him and the Elite as they all walk out, and the Young Bucks just look, as always, fucking ridiculous, but I think Nick especially was just out of control. (laughs) My god. They also, I gotta say, did the you're not that guy meme? Which, oh, that's just that's just cringy in just the right heelish way. It's so cringy. Um, regardless, Matt Jackson did really great stuff as he got in the ring being like, hey, you remember us? We were your best friends that you abandoned. Just like trying to dig the fucking knife into his back with that whole thing. Um, talking about how he's wrestling's greatest tragedy. Kenny Omega gets in the ring and uh, after uh, Hangman knocks Matt Jackson to the ground and he was going to hit Hangman with the title, but then the Dark Order comes and evens the odds. And Hangman was like, listen, I came from match. I'm not leaving without one and it needs to be with you. And it's neither are you. So he goes like, all right, you know what? Omega's like, we'll do you got you guys versus me and the elite five on five elimination style. Kenny goes, you know what? I mean, Hangman goes, that's not the match I want. But if it's what I have to do, you know what? If I win that match uh, with my team, I get a shot at the AEW World Championship, and then these guys get a shot at the tag titles. And Kenny's like, I'll entertain that idea, but we get nothing in exchange. So. When the Elite beats the Dark Order and Hangman, not only do your boys lose a shot at the tag titles, but you lose your shot at my title. And it's just talking about how he's like, you're just afraid to fail again. Like, just digging that uh, story element in as well. And the crowd just starts chanting cowboy shit the entire time. Kenny's getting heated. But Hangman did not back down and was like, yeah, you got it. And... Seemed like the Dark Order wasn't fully on board with that idea, but they were still supporting their friend. This segment was great. I'm still all in on Kenny and Hangman. This feud is just everything that I want, and they're so good at just driving this story home and how 
much Hangman has fallen since he lost that first title shot and how it's just kind of trying to build him back up. And yeah, I, I freaking love this. But I've talked a lot about this. I'll go to JR with this his thoughts on this segment. I think this was a perfect good segment because you the Dark Order has such a big following and just being that support system for Kenny just as that baby face and then having the new elite of the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers being that support system for Kenny. But this is literally what... If you look at Hangman Adam Page, he, in my opinion, was the first a the first AEW science superstar that when you saw him, and this is going back to January 2019, when they announced AEW when they did the first uh, press conference about AEW, like that guy is going to be the first star AEW makes. Because previously before that, you know, he was kind of like a mid-card at best with the Bullet Club, whether it was New Japan or Ring of Honor. But when you saw him compared to the Young Bucks who was established, Kenny was established, Cody was established, like that guy, AW's gonna make him. Like he's gonna be their first home, like homegrown champion. And this is what we've been waiting for for over two years. Especially when you look at the fact of after he lost to Jericho at All Out 2019, and then he had that number one contenders match with Kenny Omega at Full Gear 2020. I thought it was probably gonna come at Full Gear 2021, Kenny versus Hangman, but All Out. Two, almost two two years to the weekend of when he first fought for the AEW World Championship. I mean, this, like, as I said, is the, the top two matches they can make. Malachi Black, Cody Rhodes, uh, Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship to fulfill his destiny. Like, this is what we're getting to. And just every single week, it gets better and better. As far as the 5-on-5 five five match, I'm excited because of who they can pick with Dark Order. To be with Hangman, I just wonder when it's going to be because legitimately I was texting uh, Floyd that night. I was like, is it happening tonight? Because they didn't say so. I don't know if it's maybe fight for the Fallen because that is kind of in the area of Hangman's like home turf. All right, Floyd. Yeah, um, Hangman in Texas, Stone Cold area came off very Stone Coldish in this one. Uh, I love the attitude. I love the come get it. I love the biggest uh, obstacle that he has to. Uh, the biggest obstacle that he has to overcome is his old family. I mean, the elite, the guys that kind of brought him up. So I thought this was just a white, just just so hot of a segment, white hot segment. Uh, you know, you got the, you've done a good job building the Dark Order and their fan base. So they are great. Uh, they are a great babyface faction to have the back of the hangman and just how everything was positioned is telling the story perfectly. It's a fairly simple story that I, that most people can identify with the idea of fear of failure where you haven't done something a couple times and you got to keep trying. So I just thought this was done perfectly. I can't wait to see what five from the dark order that they pick and how they get to the ultimate conclusion. I I said this is, you know, it being, you know, uh, in a few weeks, basically back in horseman country, back in the south. They got to do this in Charlotte, but they'll do it where they do it. But I think it has to be done in Charlotte personally. And the idea that it's an elimination match, that Hangman is going to have to get pinned 
to lose his title shot. I think that was very important. They can't just like roll up Allen Angels and you know and get it out there. They got to beat all five of them. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. We then had a backstage interview with Chris Jericho where he talked about MJF and how he's still willing to do whatever it takes to get the match with MJF and how like he's not surprised that he's trying to use all of this tactics to try to stop MJF stop Jericho from getting this match. Sean Spears comes in, throws a chair right at Jericho's head. And then it's like, you know what? Here's your first stipulation, Jericho. You got to face Sean Spears. He can use a chair. You cannot. And that's a fun stipulation, I think. It's uh, definitely like one of those situations where it's like putting you in a scenario where you're set up to lose. And it's like overcoming the odds for that kind of match. Um, that, I think, is a strong uh, stipulation. And if we get more creative uh, scenarios like that for Jericho's... Uh, road to facing MJF in a singles match. Um, I think this will be an entertaining uh, road to go down for Jericho's feud. Yeah, I'm looking forward to... It actually makes me believe Jericho has a chance to lose, which I was just like, oh, Jericho's not losing any of these matches, but Sean, Sean Spears is the chairman. So this is what he does. He the Like the first thing he ever did in AEW was crack Cody over the head with a chair. So that's, uh, yeah, letting the chairman do what the chairman do. And over the last few weeks, they have been building him up as the loose cannon of the pinnacle. He's the one that snapped on the waiter when he didn't get his drink. He's the one that just attacks people, hits uh, hit Sammy with the chair, hit Jericho in the arm. He's been, he's They've been setting this up all to build to Sean Spears getting his spot against Chris Jericho in this match. Again, can't wait to hear the crowd sing Judas. I'm looking forward to that. All right. JR, you got any thoughts on this match? I mean, this uh, this announcement more so. It's terrible. MJF already beat Jericho. Why do we need to see this again? MJF is the greatest little name <laughs> by Jericho needs to retire and move on. Taking away the spotlight from the actually good talent that AEW has. Hate it. Oh, I, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that Sean Spears is in the throat. That way he stops singing that horrendous song. Worst worst music I ever heard in my life. All right. Yep. There's your thoughts right there. <laughs> those are thoughts. Uh, those are definitely thoughts. Uh, <laughs> we, then we let's we'll quickly move away from the that comment and we'll we'll talk about the next match, which was Matt Hardy versus Christian Cage, a match heavily with WWE implications of the history between these two guys. Of course, ENC and the Hardys were part of the amazing TLC matches, including the, with the Dudley boys, of course. They put on unbelievable matches in the Attitude Era of the WWE, and of course were two of the best tag teams at that time in WWE. And this uh, was an interesting match because it was a WWE match presented on AEW because these are the most WWE guys that uh, AEW probably has outside of like Cody and all that kind of stuff. But regardless, this match was really good. I thought these guys did a really good job. Um, considering how, um, like I said, this match was just very simple for people to buy into because they were so familiar with these guys. And I think the big thing, too, was just the fact that these two didn't seem like they lost a step. Like, these were two of the veterans of the company just going out there, 
doing a crazy good match. Christian and Hardy just did such great moments. Um, I gotta say too, like Christian has a damn good spear. Like, of course, like I love that he uses that in his arsenal. Um, and with homage to uh, to uh, Edge. Um, but he has a damn good spear, I gotta say. And this was a really good match. Um, afterwards, the Hardy family office, including mainly uh, Private Party, comes out trying to beat up uh, Christian Cage. Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy come out, and Jungle Boy got a mega response from the crowd as well. And then there was an interesting uh, scene where, like, of course, Luchasaurus was all in supporting uh, Christian because we now know they are related uh, from a previous promo. Uh he puts uh, Christian on his shoulders, and it kind of seemed like Jungle Boy was a little miffed at that. I don't think it was um, anything like that they were trying to bring focus to, um, but I think people could have probably been mistaken of like, oh, maybe there's uh, issues with uh, Jurassic Express, which I don't think there is. But I thought it was kind of a funny little uh, moment, but I don't think it was anything to really lead to anything necessarily. But this was still a really fun, good match with two wrestlers that I think um, – have just stood the test of time of just being really freaking good. But JR thoughts on Hardy versus Christian. I'll say uh, three things. One, I agree. I think this was a good match. Um, the second re- would be and the reason why is Christian cage is at how long he's been doing this at his age and the injuries he has is really freaking good. He's still going at a level that is, I mean, when he says outwork everyone, I mean, I thought that was a, like just a, a gimmick, but it, he really does mean it and is showing it. Um, as kind of a comparison, I would say, you know, on the other company with Edge, how these two guys just high level and continue going it, they found a fountain of youth and are hiding it. I think this, in my opinion, is by far Matt Hardy's best match he's had. In a very, very long time. I mean, I'm going back to before he even joined w- I mean, AEW, um, how good it was. Matt Hardy, and this just, unfortunately, I think, you know, it's been documented. He has a, a lot of injuries. He has, I believe, a spinal a tailbone issue. Um, he really kind of struggled last year in AEW when he came in, especially his feud with Sammy Guevara. And I'm glad that he had this match. Um I would like to see less of Matt Hardy in the ring and just do these type of like attraction type matches. Cause I think if utilizing this way uh, as, as they've done with him is better for him and better for the crowd because where he's at in this match is, was not where he was at with Sammy Guevara last August. All right, Floyd. Um, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was a good, solid match. I like how, if you've noticed how most of Christian's matches ends, it's with the the person that he's wrestling makes a mistake and then he hits his finisher. That's the story. It's like the the switch, uh, the kill switch is the story. It's like he does all his other stuff. He does all his other work. Like he got hit with the, uh, he got the, hit with the leech on the outside. He gets back in. Matt Hardy doesn't stay on top of him. He uses that uh, moment of hesitation to reverse hit the kill switch. I think that's the story that they're trying to tell with him. Uh, and I, I definitely dig it. Um, this match, not a match I want to see more than once. I'm, I was good with this one. 
But uh, hopefully, they if they're going to still do with the HFO, they use it to get more people over. I did see the tension with Jungle Boy. I would not be mad at a uh, Christian Cage Jungle Boy match at all out. That would that would be great. But uh, yeah, I just like like I said, it just seemed like there was a hesitation. It was definitely on purpose. It was definitely trying to set something up. It might not happen, you know, next week. It might not even happen next month. But it's going to come back to play because AEW does not do anything that doesn't mean anything. You know? All right. Well, moving immediately from this match, we had a backstage interview with AEW World Women, Women's World Champion Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, talking about her first title defense that she will have against Nyla Rose next week, talking about... Uh, her being put through a table by Nyla the week before. Um, so Nyla is uh, being kept relevant uh, with this match and also how she may be at the top of the food chain, but she's off the menu. The food puns from uh, Brit because of the McDonald's thing. I don't think it's like gonna, like she won't bring up that McDonald's thing specifically, but like the food puns specifically are abundant it seems like because again like we got that regardless i thought this was strong the crowd loved doing the dmd and they actually did it on time this point i give them props for that but this is a cool little promo we're gonna get the match between nyla and brit for the world title and we'll get the first title defense uh for brit which i'm excited for um despite the table spot i think this feud has been built okay um, the table spot was the best part of the build, I think. But I mean, it's 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 difficult because it's been a while since we've seen Nyla, and it's like trying to get like her momentum. And she had a little point after uh, Britt's pro- promo because she was watching it on a TV in the back, uh, where she started talking with Vicky immediately after Britt said her piece. I don't know why she didn't just come down to the ring to say what she wanted to say right then and there. She just said it backstage. Um. I think this should build to a to a good match, but I'm definitely hoping that immediately after this we move on to Britt's next opponent because it's just it's just been an okay built feud I think so far. I completely agree, uh, but I was talking. I, I mentioned I, I invoked the holy name in Texas of Stone Cold earlier. Uh, yeah, I, I want to be 100 percent when I say this. Uh, she is the one person that gives me that attitude era level of overfill. I mean, from the entrance and her coming out, how the crowd goes to her cutting her promos and being insulting uh, to her kind of being a heel, but pretty much over like a face. That was Stone Cold. He would do heel shit, but it was over like a face. And in the end, I, I, and this is a big thing with me in wrestling. I'm all about catchphrases. I'm all about something you can say at the end of your interview. Fans love to chant it. And DMD was like the loudest thing they did all night, other than one other thing that I'll bring up later. Uh, it was crazy. Britt Baker is crazy over. Uh, I definitely... I think she may be the hottest act in AEW, but I, I could see arguments for two or three, but she is one of the most overpayable in wrestling right now. J- okay. JR, any thoughts? You know, it, it's amazing because I've been on the Britt Baker hype train. Everything I said about Adam Page is the same kind of is ditto for Britt Baker. The first AEW 
uh, woman that was signed. I just like this is the one that you're gonna like put your money behind and you're gonna get to. It's gonna become a star. And I remember the Jericho Cruise of 2020, and she cut that promo about the Starbucks, and everybody's just like, she's terrible, she's terrible. And I'm like, y'all better jump on the train now because she's gonna become a star, and this is the start of it. And listen to how that crowd in Texas reacted. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe I read, I know we haven't gotten to the ratings, but she had one of the highest rated segments on the show was her promo. And people still try not to give her the credit that credit is due. She's a star. She's one of the biggest stars AEW has. She's great on the mic. She's good in the ring and is only going to continue to get better in the ring. I mean, what she's done since... Especially going back to the beginning of the pandemic era where they're doing those matches. Like her first match with, I believe, Lashida, where she broke her nose. You know, becoming your role model with Swole and everything now is just amazing To when you put that timeline together. And I just, I just she's money and then should hold that title be, for a long time because whoever beats her is going to become another star for AEW. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree. While I don't think this feud has been booked as well as it could be, I don't deny the fact that Britt Baker is one of the most over people in the company, and she's 100% money. But we had John Moxley responding to Lance Archer, uh, agreeing to the Texas death match that was laid out for, for him against Lance Archer, saying that next week he will not only be Texas born and Texas bred, but he will also be Texas dead. So there we go. <clears throat> Got the confirmation of that match, and it should be fun to watch next week. I'll move quickly on to the next match, which was Sammy Guevara facing off against Wheeler Yuta, uh, making his Dynamite debut. He'd had a couple matches on Dark uh, previously, and this match was to get a, uh, Sammy Guevara on the show, and I think uh, also give Yuta a little bit of a spotlight, but mainly because Sammy's crazy over, and I think they just wanted to make sure Sammy got to be on Dynamite in front of a, a crowd uh, that wasn't Florida, and they wanted just to make sure they got him out on the show because he is crazy over. Um, and this was a fine enough match. It had some cool, uh, quick, uh, high-flying moves, but it didn't really last too long. It was one of the more shorter matches that you get on Dynamite, which you don't get a ton of normally, um, but... You can't deny that Sammy's not over. Yuta did well, I think, for the small appearance that he had. Uh, but it was a nice, very quick, small back and forth, maybe you could say. It was a nice, quick match, though, that got Sammy on the show. And I think Sammy's great. So having Sammy on the show, I think, is a good thing. So, JR, you got anything to say on this match? Uh, Will Yuta is a really good talent on the indie scene. I saw him a couple times last year. <laughs> Uh, in the north, uh, the northeast uh, indie scene that was on Fight TV, some of those pay per views that were on, and Sammy, you know, one thing you cannot say about Sammy is that he's a bad wrestler. Dude is a great wrestler. I remember when he did the pre-show, the buy-in with Kip Sabian for Double or Nothing, uh, the first one in 2019, and I was like, this guy's really, really good. He's gonna, you know, just be good for AW in this role and. You spotlight him. He's an up-and-comer. He's he's just that continue up-and-comer that you want to build up because he's the future of your franchise. Sammy G in Texas. Enough said. You know, just got to do it. You got to do it. Uh, we then had the return of the magical girl, Yuka Sakazaki, facing off against Penelope Ford. Now, Yuka has not been on AEW in well over a year. 
and I love Yuka. I think she's adorable. She was one of my favorite, like in the Joshi match that took place at Double or Nothing with all those Joshi wrestlers. I fell in love with y- Yuka. I thought she was great. Um, she got a, We got a really great match between them two as well. It's the crowd was still behind Yuka, even though she'd been away from the company for a very long time. Um, and yeah, it was a fun match where Yuka looked really good. Uh, Penelope, I think, continues to improve every single time she steps into the ring on Dynamite. Um, I'm interested to see if she becomes like one of the other like smaller, like not smaller, but like less uh, popular, I guess you could say, uh, people to challenge uh, Dr. Britt Baker for the title. I think her going after the, t- the women's title is a decent idea, especially as they like are most likely going to build towards the eventual appearance of... Uh, uh oh god i i don't know why i'm blanking on her name uh the uh uh why am i blanking on her name the that bitch basically oh oh yes uh oh good lord jay cargill jay cargill Cargill, yes oh my god i just know her as that bitch because you couldn't think of it it made me not be able to think of it i was so angry at you for just like 10 seconds i took you down with me i I was like i I took us down with the shit i was like if you would have asked me her name any other time i'd be like oh jay cargill you would have been able to say (laughs) right off the back because i couldn't figure it out you couldn't figure it out (laughs) yeah i was like oh my god yeah no. no but i i literally just know her as that bitch because it's just that's her thing and you know what i'm a catchphrase guy i'm a catchphrase guy i am and when she gets her when she she gets her promo down and she ends her uh she ends all her promos because i am that bitch and then all the crowd's gonna say it with her and it's amazing i know like me i'm gonna feel uncomfortable saying it i know she says it and it's supposed to be allowed but i'm sorry calling a girl a woman that is you know out loud where everybody can hear it just doesn't seem like the thing to do (laughs) no i can tell you like if i ever like randomly had a chance to interview jade i would not want to introduce her as that bitch because i'd be afraid that i get slapped across the mouth i'd be like jade i'm gonna say that and you then say the word you finish (laughs) yeah yes because she is that and then she would have to say it because yeah first of all i'm terrified of her second of all yeah now i don't want to get canceled don't want to get canceled. Yes, but I do think I do think that Penelope Ford could be a decent challenger leading up to when Britt faces Jade, who I would think would take the title off of Britt. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on on that and Yuka. I love Yuka. I love. I hope we see more of her. Um, yeah, Jr. Thoughts on this? So this is uh, last week. Yuka was on AW Dark, and then this week was her first match on Dynamite. This is her first official match on in AEW that in the United States since February of 2020. And one of her last matches in AEW was a three and a half minute victory over our current AEW Women's World Champion, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. So it's interesting to possibly fathom don't forget the after part of that scene was Britt basically knocked out yuka's teeth could there's a lot of rumors about Britt's potential foe at all out this could be a direction they could be heading towards for all out yeah yeah definitely definitely all right moving immediately into this is the main event of night one of fighter fest 
the coffin match between all ego Ethan Page versus Darby Allen. This is so good. This is really, really good. It didn't overstay its welcome because I think people's concern with a coffin match is it's constantly just overlong of just you get in the box. No, you get in the box. No, you get in the box. I thought people might be concerned that there would be too many spots of them just trying to push each other into the coffin and then fighting out of it and then trying to push each other in the coffin and then fighting out of it. That wasn't the case. We got crazy high spots. Scorpio Sky appearing from the coffin like as it was first open was great. It was such a great spot. And then Sting immediately chasing Scorpio out of there was also great. I feel like Scorpio, like while I think... While I do think um, he should get a lot more of a spotlight because I think Scorpio's great, I don't think he'd be too opposed to just having him and Sting just constantly go at each other because I think, like, if you got told, like, hey, you're just going to get beat up by Sting a lot and you just got to be, like, you're going at each other basically week after week after week, I don't know many people that would be upset by that because it just, he just seems to revel in just his little mini feud that he has with Sting. Um, and it's it's just fun to watch. These guys beat the hell out of each other. Had, Ethan Page got busted open at one point. There was uh, multiple spots of Darby just continuing to dig his fingers into Ethan's eyes, which was a continuation of what happened a couple weeks ago. And Darby uh, was able to... Uh, um, the. Darby would eventually try to go for a coffin drop and then Ethan Page with steel steps in the middle of the ring hit the e- hit the uh, ego's edge right onto the ring steps. Um, he also quickly removed the bottom rope at the beginning of the match. So we already had a, the ring get messed up because of that. But regardless, Ethan Page was not able to beat Darby uh, after uh, Darby grabbed his skateboard and jumped off the top turnbuckle onto Ethan. That knocked him into the coffin. He shut the lid, and right before he was about to walk away, he decides, no, I'm not done. And he goes up and jumps onto the coffin, through the coffin, with a coffin drop. And fucking hell, that was a good spot. It was a really good spot. Hell of an ending to the to night one of Fighter Fest. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that night two also continues to live up to it. We got a lot of matches that we are very excited for uh, leading into night two. But this was a hell of a closer, hell of a main event match. Uh, but Jr., your thoughts first on this coffin match? I like the way they set up the match. Um, I don't feel like they utilize the the coffin as much as I've seen in other coffin matches. Uh, really quick, I want to shout out the American Dream Dusty Rhodes versus Ivan Koloff was the first recognized coffin match in Houston approximately 40 years ago. So I just wanted to say that just in case everybody's like, oh, they're still in an idea. It was the American Dream Dusty Rose first one to do it, so, uh, especially in Texas. I thought it was a cool thing. I like the I like the ending of Darby doing what he does because he's crazy. And if you actually look on how that was done, I mean, he had to have like some sort of precision to know that because um, of how, you know, breaking kayfabe, you know, how Ethan Page was in there in the casket to make sure to not hurt Ethan Page more than he could have. So I thought it was interesting. I thought it was really cool. Um, Stunt, for lack of a better word. High spot. And I'm really interested to see what's next for both Darby and Ethan Page because the feud has to be over now. So where are they going to go next, especially as we head towards All Out? Uh, Ethan's a heel. This is the feud's not over. But I was talking about that moment with DMD and them cheering. 
Darby's Allen's music. Oh my God. That dude is so over. So over. Like, man. Uh, yeah. People love them some Darby Allen. It's funny. I, I posted on uh, my group chat that um, I went from someone that didn't get Darby Allen to someone who's like, how does anyone not get Darby Allen? You know, and he completely flipped me. <laughs> no, complete one, complete 180 on a wrestler that I like I've never done before because like I was like, oh, my God, he's so small and he's so this and he's like, oh, he's emo. Oh, my God. So I thought this is such an uninteresting character. Just the things that dude is willing to put his body through to entertain the crowd. Oh my god! It's just like am I am I am I like body? My back starts hurting and my knees lock up from watching him wrestle because you're not supposed to be able to do that to your body and live a normal life. I don't know how normal his life is, but right now he's still able to show up and do it every week. So I tap tip my uh, tip my hat to Darby Allen. I'm like, I don't know how much longer he got some wrestling, but you need to put him in every Hall of Fame ever because he kills it. I love evil Ethan Page. I, I don't want to skim over what he did because for every great face, you need a great heel that I have to hate and I want you to lose to. He was completely despicable in this match and you know he's not letting this go. This might not be like Darby Allen's active feud anymore, because now my gut feelings is we're building to Darby versus Miro at a uh, rematch at uh, All Out. That's what I feel. So I think, you know, he might have something else with Ethan and Scorpio. But uh, I really did enjoy this match. Apparently, a lot of other people enjoyed this match based on the ratings coming out the show. Uh, this was an A-plus Dynamite. And that was an A-plus match to end the A-plus Dynamite. All right. Before we get into our preview for Fighter Fest, though, Floyd, um, you have with us the uh, statistics for this show. Uh, so you want to go ahead and go through that real quick, let people know how the show performed? Yes, and we don't talk about how many people view the show every week, but when it is exceptional, we definitely do. Uh, hopefully it gets to a point where they're breaking a million all the time, and this is not news, but AEW Tops Dynamite, uh, one million live, same night viewers, 1.025 million. Tops Raw's 18 to 49 male demo, which I'm not making this comparison. This is a wrestling comparison that they got a higher uh, rating in the 18 to 49 male demo at a 0. .40 than Raw did. I don't have Raw's numbers. It wasn't in the stats. The most viewed quarter of the show was from 9.15 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. with 1.1 million viewers. And that was Britt Baker's live promo. So, of course, she's over. And Sammy Guevara versus Willer uh, Utah. That was all in that same 15-minute mark. The high to 1849 was from 845 in the 9, which included the Omega Adam Page angle. The other, the, the, the last match, which was, was over a million for it, over the million for the 15 minutes, I didn't throw this note in there, was Darby. The Darby Allen match definitely kept it over a million and kept their average over. It's just, uh, it was pointed out in the Twitter, the two hottest acts in AEW are Darby Allen and Britt Baker, two people that honestly, are the best way you can describe them is AEW homegrown talent. Yeah, and the, the fact that AEW... Managed to have this show go over a million 
while they were legitimately up against uh, the NBA Finals, um, I don't think is a fact that should be – that's pretty big. Um, this show was stacked, and I think there you could possibly lean towards the fact of, like, people seeing the card for night one and being like, damn, this is like – you could you could have sold this as, like, a genuine pay-per-view. That is maybe why they got such great view, uh, view numbers for this. Regardless of what the case was, if it's uh, – like or what the reasoning that you want to put put behind the numbers? Hell of a great night for AEW. We'll see if Night Two puts up similar numbers. If they also go over a million on that show, or if it comes down a little bit. Um, from what I see uh, from the uh, from the from the uh, matches that have been announced, we might be under a million. We might be over. It could be a toss up. I feel like. Yeah, I, 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 you know what, I, I, you know, with no NBA Finals, I, in how the crowd has been, how they have booked the show, I'm thinking that nine hundred thousand plus is where we're gonna live for a while. I, uh, I remember after last week, I told Jr. and he was like, they were up against, and of course, I'm only telling this story from my point of view. So J.R. is here to disagree if he is. Uh, I was like, they were up against, I forgot what they were up against, basketball or something. And I was like, I think that was a million. I think that was a million episode, you know, and it was just like, he's like, no, they were up against whatever they were, uh, the NBA. So no, it's not going to hit a million. I was right, wasn't I, J.R.? Say it. Say it. <laughs> this is what happened. I'll try to briefly summarize this. Floyd did say that. So he is correct. What I had said was like, uh, they'll probably won't hit a million because it was eight hundred sixty-six thousand. And then I told Floyd, you know what? Based on how good that show was, and my and I think Floyd and I agreed on this. Um, this is pro- potentially the best AEW Dynamite in quite a long time. I mean, there was not a bad spot in this match. Even if you look at a potential throwaway match, which I would say would, the only one would be Sammy versus Will Yuta, it was a good match. So everything about it like kept you engaged where you didn't want to turn away. All the promos about it kept you engaged. And so I was like, you know, there are uh, any given day, there's two million wrestling fans that could watch a TV show. Like just this is just based off ratings. I'm like, it could do it could do a million. I mean, because then you think about it, you look at Monday nights going against Monday Night Football. Like, why can't it do a million? It should do a million. It was a great show. Yeah. Well, yeah, I That's did. a conversation with. I think this is the best episode since winter is coming in December. I think it could be. I think I would agree with that. I don't think it was better than winter is coming, but I do think this might be one of the better episodes in a very long time. They did not spare any expense for yeah. uh, this this show. Um, and I hope we get a similar effect with night two. And I think that can lead into our preview for night two of Fighter Fest. With the matches that have been announced, we have, of course, the Chris Jericho-Sean Spears match, where only Sean can use steel chairs in the match. The Blade will be going up against Orange Cassidy in singles competition. We get the Texas death match between John Moxley and Lance Archer for the, I assume, for the IWGP US Championship, since he wanted to get it back. And then, of course, the AEW women's title match between Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, versus Nyla Rose. And as of right now, I believe that's what we have. We don't have as many matches announced as we did uh, previously with uh, Night One. So I think a lot of the uh, unannounced matches will hopefully have to pull in to make sure that the uh, show does as well as it did last week. Regardless, though, 
the Britt Baker title defense, I'm all for just because I want to see Britt defend that title. Uh, I want to see exactly how Moxley and uh, Lance Archer kill each other. And um, I want to see the continuation of uh, Chris Jericho's voyage to face MJF. And I want to see if they announce the second stipulation right after that match, because that's kind of what I have in my head. Uh, JR, thoughts on the little preview we have for night two of Fighter Fest? This is one where I think it's a little bit of a decline from night one. Um, I think Jericho, Sean Spears, Mox versus Archer, and Bert Baker, Nyla Rose are those are the ones. Blade versus OC, I'm, I didn't like the few to begin with. I just don't see a point to it. But hey, just continuing to put OC out there. People like Orange Cassidy, so I get why they're doing it. Um, until we find something for something a logical next step for him. Um, I think what probably is going to happen is you're going to see Jericho utilize something similar to what his friend, the late great Eddie Guerrero did. And that is take the hit Sean Spears with the chair when the referee isn't looking and then to get the victory. So you'll probably see also quite a, I would think I'll add in promos. You'll probably see the next chapter and the promo between Cody and Aleister Black. You'll probably see something from Miro, probably see something uh, from Kenny Omega and Hangman. So those are also important that that helps build up your those storylines help continue your viewing audience and build up your rating. Yeah, next week it's going to be amazing because mostly I'm going to be there, which is great. I don't know if it's a drop down. You think about it, that Britt Baker Nyla Rose match. If it ends the show, it's you know that's the Darby of this segment. Chris Jericho and Sean Spears is going to be able to do things. Orange Cassidy's. You know, the crowd for Orange Cassidy is going to be crazy. Next, you know, his music, you know, I, I feel like they got to find a way to get Jungle Boy on the show. Just, you know, because I can just imagine, you know, everyone in Dallas, oh, you know, doing the music thing. Yeah, that's cool. I think Mox and Archer, I think just like this week, that's going to be the first match. That's going to blow the roof off the place. You know, Lance Archer is from Dallas, so he's going to be super over there. I think. That I think the crowd's gonna be stoked for uh, Mox and Archer. I think that's just gonna be crazy. And it, you know, they haven't added what they had. You know, they're you know they're probably gonna add at least one or two more matches, maybe an interview segment. So hopefully we get Alistair Black kicking somebody in the face. I would love his first match to be in Texas. I think it can be just as good as Night One. Uh, it's just like I said, they it, right now you got the four main matches. You you need the filler. You need that uh, those two or three segments to fill it in there. I think, but with that four right there, I think that's going to be an amazing show because you're going to get you're going to get uh, Dallas Texas singing Judas. I heard someone said something tonight that irked my nerves, and I and I tried. I didn't catch the bait. I didn't take the bait. Jr. Be proud of me. Uh, he said Shinsuke Nakamura. People singing along with Shinsuke Nakamura greater than Judas. And I'm like, bruh, bruh. That's a true statement. Bruh, I've been I've been Tallahassee, Florida, and uh with eighty thousand people uh, you know, moving their arms going to the Tomahawk Chop in Florida State, and I gotta say, the only sports experience, the only sports experience that I've had that is comparable to that is the Jacksonville Children's Choir with everybody singing along to Judas. I, I just don't think you beat that. 
it has words, everyone's singing and knowing the words, the music stops, and they still sing along to the words. I don't think, I think there's levels to this. I think the Shinsuke thing, I've been in the building for both, and I think the Shinsuke thing is cool. I think it's awesome, but come on. Jericho, come on. Come on. I would would love to, if they wanted to go full troll with that statement, if they went like, fandangoing more over than uh, Judas. Yeah. Because I would have laughed at that because I would have been like, that's funny. No, like, like, uh, yeah. It's just a nice little troll comment. Like, you know what you're doing there. Yeah, I just put agree to disagree GIF on there. I'm like, hey, we just got to, that's never something we're going (laughs) to agree on because I, like I said, I've been in the building for both and I don't think one compares to the other. I I just don't. I don't, and that's no WWE bias at all. Uh, I just don't think one compares to it. It just doesn't to me. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to next week's show. All right. Well, before we wrap up the show, uh, we'll go to Floyd with a little bit more of some highlights real quick regarding AEW and a couple other headlines that we can talk about. All right. So yesterday, July 15th, 21, AEW Elite GM released on uh, the Google Play Store and Apple. Uh, so make sure you go download that and you play it. I've heard people that loved it. I've heard people that didn't like it. But, you know, it's the first edition. There's going to be a lot of software updates and add. We actually have a person here, JR, that wasn't a big fan, but it's just not his type of game. Happy birthday on July 15th to Excalibur and Anna J. And happy birthday on July 16th to that piece of trash, QT Marshall. But happy birthday anyway to them. Uh, QT is a huge workhorse in the background for AEW. Anna J put up another picture of her in uh, Jungle Boy today, which she tries to break the internet every time she does that. I have literally, I, I can't say that there's no one on their level, but I have literally never seen a more attractive couple than Jungle Boy and Anna J. I don't, you know, I just, I don't know, man. Cody and Brandy's up there. That's what I'm saying. I feel like it's a tie. But I don't think there's any more attractive than uh, Anna J and Jungle Boy. But I, I, I mean, I've seen some attractive couples in wrestling. Uh, but yeah, that's a very, very attractive couple. Like both of them. It's just like, yeah. I don't know why, but they remind me of Zach Morris and Kelly Kapowski. Yeah, because like, they're, they're tens, and you know, tens date each other. <laughs> it's like I like I feel like I'm watching a '90s sitcom. Like this is legitimately like Beverly Hills nine nine zero one two and zero. This is like he's like following and follow Luke Perry's footsteps, oh, like Dude. real life sitcom. Uh, you know, team team show. If they ever do an AEW nine zero two one zero with Jungle Boy, I would. I'd just die because I'd laugh so hard. That would be amazing. But uh, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I wanted to reach happy birthday. The last thing we're going to cover before we go are uh, a friend of the show. He actually asked us to be involved. I got busy, so we weren't. His Sir Sam uh, on Twitter. It's at Sir Sam on Twitter. Uh, is it Sir underscore Sam? I want to get his name right. I actually did. It's at Sir underscore samuel and he goes it's sam b it's ball-headed guy so um yeah he asked us to be a part of this we weren't able to be a part of it but he compiled from a list of podcasters people that watch aw you're you're quintessential you're essential you're the 
the definitive 10 matches of AEW. It was a top 50 list, and uh, he put out the list. Uh, just some quick notes before we all three uh, chime in on the list. Uh, Cody was in 42. He was 42, 39, 38, 25, 23, 21, 13, 11, and 2. That was a big 9 of the top 50 matches on AEW history have had Cody in it, according to this poll. And of the top 10 matches, and I'll tell you as we go on, I was at seven of the top 10 matches in AEW history. One, I can honestly say no one was at, but the other two were, you know, shows. So, yeah, um, let's talk Just about Just trying to flex right now, aren't we, Floyd? I am definitely flexing, dude. I am definitely flexing. I, <laughs> I have... Uh, I have been to a lot of AEW and I love it. And yeah, but seven of these ten matches I saw live. Uh, I, I I will talk about it. So let's go. Uh, and y'all let us let me know as I go through the list if you think anything should have been higher, lower, or whatever. Uh, number ten, Young Bucks champions versus Moxley and Eddie Kingston AEW Tag Team Championship. This was. Just recently happened in May, Double Nothing 2021. Number nine, which I think would be higher on my personal list, FTR versus the Young Bucks, AEW Tag Team Champion for Full Gear 2020. I was at number 10 and number nine. Number eight, Kenny Omega versus Pac, Iron Man match, Dynamite in Kansas City, February 22nd, uh, February 26th, 2020. Again, I was there. I was actually sitting next to Tiffany at that show. Uh, number seven, uh, Best Friends versus Proud, Proud and Powerful Parking Lot Brawl. And this was September 10th, 2020, Dynamite. I was not there. This was the one I wasn't at. Uh, number six, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. Unsanctioned Lights Out Match Full Gear 2019. Your boy was there. Uh, number five, Young Bucks versus Luchas Bros Triple A Tag Team Champions, the Escalera de la Morte match from All Out 2019. Austin was sitting right behind me at this event, yep. and I literally had to move out of the way so they could do one of the ladder spots. One of the coolest experiences I've ever happened to wrestling. My more cool experience actually happened her earlier that night. Uh, number four. The Elite versus the Inner Circle Stadium Stampede Double or Nothing 2020. That's the one no one was at, so no one can say I was there, uh, except the wrestlers. And then three, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa, unsanctioned lights out match. March 17, 2021 Dynamite. Uh, yeah, wish I was there for that one. Number two, which would personally be my number one, Cody versus Dustin Rhodes, Double or Nothing 2019. The First five-star match in AEW history. Uh, I will never let anyone that hates on Cody live that down. That was amazing. And, of course, I was there. And you were there, too, right, Austin? Yeah. I was at this yeah. and the number one match. And then number one, we were all at together. Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Uh, what were they called? Were they called? I think they were just Hangman and and, and uh, Kenny. Yeah, the fans gave them a nickname. I just don't need, uh, know what it was, but I don't remember. And they wrestled the Young Bucks, AEW Tag Team Champions, Revo Revolution 2020. So you were at quite a bit of these matches too, right? I was at three of them. Yeah. Uh, three of the top ten. Um, 
and then yeah, yeah, I could say the top two matches that were voted on, uh, I was that too. Man, those two matches still rank as two of my favorite matches I've ever seen, uh, straight up. Yes. Uh, so first, Jr. Would you move anything around, or, or do you believe in the consensus? What do you think, sir? Um, the first thing I'll say is anytime you get to a list of rankings, whether it's this or Uncle Dave Meltzer's star ratings, it's it's always arbitrary. I think everybody did a good job. Um, the only thing for me is I always feel, and this is me personally, I am overly critical or just don't like young bucks matches as much as everybody else does so um that's the only thing yeah i can't argue with i if i were to if i were to pull a fan like 50 aw fans at random i'm pretty sure they would come up with a very similar top 10 list so what would what would be your one Uh, your one versus dustin okay that would be your one Right. Yeah, I'll be the I'll be the only one that disagree. I still think Hankman and Kenny versus the Bucks is the best match that AEW has had. See, I, that, that match was fucking insane. So I will always tell people I vote with my heart. I vote with my emotions. You know, as far as technical classics, that's not what I'm going to vote on. I'm going to vote with the matches I I emotionally tied to. So my one would be Cody versus Dustin. My two would be FTR versus Young Bucks. FTR versus Young Bucks, if you heard me say it on the show, was special to me because it was a match five years in the making. It was a match I honestly thought I'd never see. I never thought the Young Bucks would go to WWE. I never thought FTR would leave WWE. So I never thought I would see this match. I've brought this up before. WrestleMania 32 in in uh, uh, WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. I, I literally have a picture with FTR where I met them, and they basically, before they did the sign, and cut a like three minute promo on the Bucks talking about how they look like children and they're not real wrestlers, and they're not real men. So that was the day that that match became what I wanted, right? And then you fast forward to, you know, I think it was what, five years later. You know, five years later, and I'm literally in the building to see what I would argue at times are my two favorite tag teams wrestle each other. Pretty much all they had to do was not stink up the joint to be my number one. It was like, it's what I wanted. It was what I wanted for too long. So that would be my number two. Probably my number three after that would be Kenny Omega and O'Page versus the Young Bucks. It is literally consensus. One of the best tag team matches in the United States professional wrestling history. I have to give the credit where it's credit to do. This is not David Meltzer. This is like if you go to their cage match, you go to anything where a lot of people get to vote, that match was damn near perfect. So I give it to, I give it to credit there. But I, I can honestly say, and I'm being real, I vote with my heart. I vote with my emotions. So Cody and Dustin would have been one. Uh, but every other match on here was amazing. I, there's no bad match. There's no match I don't think should be on the list. Uh, if you're going, if I still added the link, added the link uh, to the article and to Sir Sam's Twitter in the bio. Uh, if you go to the page, you'll see the top 50. And number 11 was Brody versus Cody in the dog collar match. 
that probably would have been in my 10 and the Young Bucks versus Moxley and Kingston would have dropped out personally. But uh, one thing I wanted to say (coughs) is like, so for like me and one thing is always said, Floyd created this uh, ranking system where you based on happy faces. Like how much do you like this match? Like, does it make you happy? And it's because I think when it comes to rankings and ratings, it's all, as I mentioned earlier, it's arbitrary. And the one thing about the Young Bucks, and I'm also going to throw Kenny Omega into this, is that I, when I get to a lot of their matches, I feel that it gets overhyped where it doesn't live up to my hype. And I just it's hard for me to give it a comparable rating as everybody else does. And there are two Ken, there's one Kenny Omega match and one Young Buck match that I thought got no hype. And I enjoyed those matches more than probably anybody else did. And the first one was at Full Gear 2020 was Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page to open the card. I enjoyed that match probably more than any match on that card. And that included FTR versus Young Bucks. And I'm with Floyd, one of the biggest FTR fans in the world. But I just think the hype of FTR versus Young Bucks, I'm thinking it's going to like be the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it's so, the expectation's so high, it just can never live up to it. The second match I was going to bring up is Young Bucks is Young Bucks versus Butcher Blade on a random dynamite. They had a false count anywhere match that ended up like in the kitchen in Day's place. That just, it was like a, I don't want to say a throwaway match, but that match was so fun and so exciting. I was like, that's one of my favorite, that's probably my favorite Young Buck match was that one. Yeah, I would say, at least in my thoughts of this top 10, because I think all these matches deserve to be in the top 10 if i was to make any switches i think the top three would stay the same for me probably maybe um moving down the car the list though i would have stadium stampede one go back and move up the escalera de la muertes match i'm biased i was there but also that match was fucking nuts i would also move the john mock i kind of would feel like i would switch the john moxley uh, versus Kenny Omega unsanctioned match versus the uh, Kenny Omega pack Iron Man match. I would swap those two. So like six and eight, swap those. And then I would move... It's like, I, I still think uh, FTR versus Young Bucks uh, where it's at is reasonable because while I do think the match was super hype because we finally were getting it, I think it lived up to the hype. But the issue was that like while the feud was built up well it didn't need to be like overtly complicated and they kind of threw in a little bit too much. I think that didn't need to be there necessarily. I did think them teaming with each other was great to tease with tease, uh, the match. Uh, but despite it, I think they could have been a lot more simpler of just like, just like get going after each other in between matches, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I think that's a fair enough spot, but those are really the only that I would feel like I would switch, just move up the Escalera de la Muertes, and then swap the two Kenny Omega matches, uh, the unsanctioned match and the Iron Man match. Swap those two. That's just me. The, the last thing I want to say is, um, you know, looking at this whole list, they have at number 38, they have Cody versus Wardlow, the first ever Steel Cage match. I'd probably bring that down a lot. I'd, I would bring it up a lot higher. Um, I thought that match was amazing. And really was able to showcase, you know, Cody in a good way and showcase Wardlow as a monster heel. And the other um, the other one, too, is 
the blood and guts. I can't remember where it was out on the list, but I was, you know, obviously with the exception of the ending, I thought that match was spectacular. The one match that's on here that I really don't think should be on here is at number 15, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley in the Exploding Barbed Wire match. I I just did not think that match was good at all. Like, and I'm talking about before the ending. Um, just that type of match is very hard to have. It's not really meant to be a good match. So that's still like those are the only the only things I have. But as far as the top ten, yeah, I like I said, if I pull fifty AEW fans randomly, I'm pretty sure they're gonna have nine of these ten inside their top ten. All right. Well, and if I would say anything too, uh, the match that I would feel like I would want to move up a little bit further would be the uh, number 25 one, which was Cody versus Darby Allen at Fighter Fest 2019. I freaking love that match. Their TNT title match at Full Gear 2020 uh, was also really good, um, and they have that at number 23. But I think just because it established the time limit draw and that it was so... It was genuinely great to see Darby get like really like over just in that one match against Cody, um, a guy that a lot of people weren't too familiar with. Like I think people forget like how quickly he was bought into just from that one match. So I would put that up higher than was listed. But I think in the top twenty-five is a fair spot. But I would have it a little bit higher for me. But that's my only thing outside of the top uh, fifty that outside of the top ten that I would comment on. But yeah, yeah. I, I really do want to just throw a big thank you out to Sir Sam. First of all, he tried to get us involved. He did. He tried to get us involved. We didn't get the list ready, uh, which I'm, I mean, I didn't get the list ready. I don't think you submitted yours, did you, Austin? No, I wasn't able to. Oh, uh, yeah. You just, you know, time and stuff got distracted, forgot that was happening. But I want to thank him for putting in the work. He filed the list of people. He got all these. They have, all, you know, there's a lot of thoughts and opinions it's a well put together article. There is also a podcast with it. I've already shared out the links on the All Things Elite uh, uh, Twitter. I just want you, everyone, to support this. Go read the article. Check out the podcast. I plan on listening to a podcast later tonight just to see more of the trends of what's going on. But yeah, I, I mean, whenever anyone takes on these kind of jobs, I always want to tell them thank you and how much I appreciate them because it's. It, it, it can be thankless at a times, and you know, and it is a lot of work. And you know, when you're adult, time is like your most valuable resource. So that's the one thing that they uh, submitted to that. So thanks for everyone that voted and included in this. I thought it came out brilliantly. I was actually shocked that Cody and Dustin got to. I was shocked because Cody gets so much hate on the internet that I just figured it would go off through the list. But no, it did not. It did not. Codiness next to godliness. <laughs> you know how All that right. Works. Yeah. All right. Well, with that little uh, list um, segment uh, finished up, I think that will do it for this episode of All Things Elite. First off, big thank you to our good friend JR for coming on the show once again. It's always a pleasure to have him on. Be sure to check out the Trick or Treaters podcast. Um, if you're a fan of horror, you will enjoy the conversations, which I am. I'm currently uh, watching the announcements for Halloween Horror Nights, and I'm hoping to God nothing gets closed down by the time that goes out because I've never been to Halloween Horror Nights, and I want to go. So hopefully that doesn't fall apart. But, JR, where can people find you and the Trick or Treaters podcast on social media? 
once again, it's always a pleasure getting a chance to talk to you, Austin and, and Floyd. I love you guys to death. You guys are, you know, brothers from another mother, you know, different zip code. So I cannot wait to see you guys during All Out Weekend. You can find me on Twitter at Lucha Professor. That is at Lucha Professor. You can also check out the Trick or Treaters podcast um, on Twitter. It's at Trick or Treat Pod. That's at Trick or Treat Pod. You can also access our link tree from there to get a merch. As I mentioned earlier, every Friday our episodes drop on wherever you get your podcasts. We just dropped Jaws today as we're recording on Friday, July 16th. So um, everybody have a good, safe weekend. Much love. Take care. All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed the show, please continue to listen. Thank you guys again as well for tuning in every single week if you do so. Be sure to download the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Share us around if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform. Podcasting platform. Sorry for my flub. You can leave a rating and review if you're so inclined. You can leave a donation through Red Circle. That'd be so incredibly generous of you. On Twitter, we are at Pod at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. Be sure to check out all of Social Suplex's other podcasts. I am at SSteamer4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with that, I will let Floyd take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you guys so much for listening. All right, I'm super excited, kind of amped up. I just want to tell everybody, go see Civ Sam 2 this weekend. I'm just going to throw that out there one more time. Big, Le- you know, big LeBron fan and everything. But I just want you, everybody, just remember, be nice to everybody. You know, sometimes, sometimes when you're on Twitter, Instagram, you know, you want to just really rail on somebody, throw in an agree to disagree. If you feel like you need to reply, don't <coughs> reply at all. You're not going to agree with everybody. You're just not. So... No reason to get angry about it. Some people just like different things than you. So make sure you uh, take that into mind before commenting or retweeting. And just remember, on the other side of that Twitter, Instagram, or whatever, is an actual real breathing person with real breathing emotions. And if you wouldn't say it to their face, how about not posting it on Twitter or Instagram or whatever? I know this is a common thing for me. But being nice is like kind of my gimmick. So, you know, I really want y'all to be nice to everybody out there. Last but not least, make sure you go check out that Sarah Sam article and his podcast and support people. When you see people doing a lot of work, support them in the wrestling community. Uh, We're the only wrestling community are the only people that don't think what we watch is stupid. So we should have each other's back. And with that, I leave you with how I always leave you, whether it is home work or school always do your best to be elite